You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Come on, wasn't worship being in the presence of the Lord so amazing? Come on. Our worship team has, did an amazing job. Uh, before I jump into anything, I, I, I hope you like, felt and recognized the moment where the room shifted. Like that you recognize the moment where Jesus was already here, but like it was even more evident. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like where it went up to another level in his, the tangibility, the, the manifestation of his presence in the room. We're, we're called to be a church, a people of his presence. We're called to be a place where the presence of God stays where people come and they experience him and not a program and not just a really well-done service. Like, we're here for him. And let it never be said of you. Let it never be said of me. Let it never be said of us, of what Jacob said in Genesis 28, where he falls asleep and he has a dream and he sees the heavens opened and he sees angels ascending and descending on a ladder and he, he sees Jesus at the top, and he has this incredible encounter with God. And he wakes up, and he says these words, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. May it never be said of us. May it never be said that we didn't recognize when he came. That we didn't recognize when his spirit moved so wonderfully in a moment like today. How do you respond when the king of glory is manifesting in the room? How do you respond when the tangible glory of God is taking place in a moment? You just gonna... Yeah, the band's doing a good job. It's good. You know, the lights are kind of good today. You know, they haven't got off key yet. It's good. They've done a couple songs I like. Not sure about that first song, you know. Not sure why that guy wore that hat on stage, but uh. I'm serious, guys. Like, do you understand the opportunity you have to worship the Lord? And then our team so wonderfully is led by the Holy Spirit and just goes after it and doesn't go off, goes off script, doesn't care what the next song is, and just is led by the Spirit. If you didn't know, you came to a Spirit-led church where, where we say... Where we say, Holy Spirit, this is your house, so have your way. Where it's about him. It's not about the song or the next song or the, the next thing. So I implore you, church. Like we're, we're today, we're concluding 21 days of prayer and fasting. The one thing that should, you should get out of prayer and fasting is an increased sensitivity to the presence of the Lord. It should be an increased hunger to want more of Jesus. As your body is hungry for food, a hunger should stir in your spirit that says, I got to have more of him. Will you recognize that he is your daily bread, that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And something should stir in your spirit that says, oh my goodness, he's here. And you want to give everything you have and worship to him. We can't just stand and watch. We can't spectate. 
he demands and he deserves our worship and everything that we have. That was for free. There's just something that I will never settle for. I will never get okay with comfortable and complacent about that when God moves and his people don't fully see it. We, we have to recognize when he comes, church. We have to recognize those moments that are so precious because if we recognize it properly in a moment, it can last forever. If you get uncomfortable in a setting like this in worship, heaven is going to be difficult for you. This is practice for heaven. Come on, think about it. Read the book of Revelation again if you need to. The, 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 the Lord sits on a throne surrounded by angels, surrounded by 24 elders, surrounded by all the saints. They're there forever. And they see him in all of his majesty and splendor and glory. And they can't help but over and over and over again to bow at his feet, to take crowns from their head and place them at his feet and cry out, holy, 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 worthy is the lamb that was slain. Over and over again. Do you think that they're bored? Do you think that they're watching to see if the guy next to him is looking at them? You think that they care about the angel chorus if they're off key? Or the lights are too whatever? No. Come on, guys. Like, he is the king of glory. Let us never miss a moment. Amen? Why don't you stand real fast, and we're going to pray before we jump into the word. I got a lot of my preach out already, praise God, but we, we, we need him. <laughs> oh, Lord, we love you so much. God, we put our attention fully on you. Lord, you are everything for us. Jesus, it's all about you. We give you all praise and glory and honor. Lord, I ask that you would help us to hear your voice. Let every single person here hear your voice today. God, we didn't come for good notes and a good message and to have a good time. We came to hear from you. So, Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us through your word. Let every single person here encounter you in a real and tangible way. God, we love you so much. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today I want to speak to you on a subject that we've talked on here before as a church. My brother, Pastor Aaron, did a message on this about a year and a half ago. And it's something that we've talked about, but we recognize that many people have, are new to the church. Maybe you, you haven't even been with us for a year and a half. And it's, we recognize that what I want to speak to you about today is something that we want to make sure is even more a part of our language and our culture here. And a part of our practice. And, and what we believe God is speaking to us to remember and so I want to speak to you today on the topic of the Sabbath. I want to talk to you about supernatural rest. Supernatural rest. And this might be something that you've heard before. This might be something that you've never heard of before. Or if you've grew up in church, you go, I've heard of this, but 
Aren't we in the New Testament? Why are we talking about this right now? And so I want to talk to you from God's word today about something that I really believe will really benefit and help our lives. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 2. It's the first scripture we're going to look at today. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Jesus, or excuse me, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has just finished creating the universe and the earth and, and mankind. And here it says in Genesis 2, verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. That's in the beginning of your Bible. I want to skip almost to, all the, to the end of your Bible. In Third John, the book of Third John, verse 2, the Apostle John writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Say all things. And be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Amen? That's our prayer. That's my prayer for you, for our church, is that you would be in health, you would prosper in all things, just as your soul ought to prosper in the Lord. Amen? We live in a very fast-paced and hurried society. Maybe this is not news to you. Maybe it is. We live... In a, in a society that celebrates busyness, that if you are busy, you are successful. We, as a society, acknowledge that activity equals productivity. And we celebrate all of the busyness and hustle and bustle of our world that we live in. We also live in a society of extremes, that we have a lot of people who are overworked and tired and overwhelmed and doing way too many things, and on the other side of the coin, or on the other side, we have people who don't want to work, who don't want to share the load and want to depend on the government or other people to get their income. So we have both going on at the same time. I want to let you know that you were created to work. You were also created to rest. You were created to work, and you were created to rest. God gave Adam and Eve in the garden work to do before sin, before the fall of mankind. They were given responsibilities in the garden to steward and tend to the garden. And God, before Adam and Eve sinned, before fell, he set an example, a precedence, and established a a timeless principle of the Sabbath on the seventh day, by resting. You might ask yourself, was God tired? That's a completely different question. God rested, though. That much we know. He chose to rest. And so we have people now, maybe you're retired, maybe you're financially independent. You have an incredible gift of a lot of free time. And you have an amazing opportunity to use that for the kingdom of God and his purposes. All right? Our American society has it wrong. You aren't to work to to death almost so that you get to an age and financial place so that you can retire and then rest and do nothing and and just do whatever you want for the rest of your life. Newsflash. If you follow Jesus 
and you have surrendered your life to him and he is Lord and Savior, the Bible says very clearly, your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. So therefore, honor God with your body, but not just your body, honor God with your entire life. So again, we have two extremes often in our culture, people who don't want to work, there's a laziness that's infiltrated our society, especially with COVID. And then we have people who are overworked, freaking out, stressed out, anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, and it's not healthy. Period. We have both of these going on in our extreme culture. We are created to be supernatural. My brother, Pastor Aaron, preached an incredible message last Sunday. If you missed it or you weren't here, watch it online. He, called, he talked about that we were created to be supernatural. It is completely true. You and I were made and created in the image and likeness of God, who is supernatural. So he invites us to be supernatural and to walk supernaturally with him. And he invites us into supernatural rest in him. And that is through the Sabbath. In being supernatural... That means God invites us into a life and into a realm beyond the natural, beyond what we see. We, are led, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? And, and into a place that doesn't make sense logically all the time. Or it doesn't have a common natural sense to it in our natural world. Yet he invites us into a realm beyond the natural, beyond what will make sense to our own Understanding. God has invited us into a relationship that is built on faith and trust, not built on understanding. And so often we have to understand everything before we take one step in faith and trust to do something with the Lord. We have to have it all figured out before we say yes. That is not what God invites us into. He invites us to trust him and to walk with him and obey him, even if we don't understand in Proverbs chapter 3, this, one, of this, one of the most amazing and well-known verses in the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your own understanding. Can it get any more clear? In all your ways, in all your ways, and what we're supposed to trust the Lord with all of our heart, submit to him. Surrender to him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight, or he will direct your paths. I'm sure if we lined everybody out and, and asked them the question, would you, like God, would you like God to lead your life? Would you like God to direct and guide you in your life? Oh, yes, absolutely. I want to walk in what he wants for me. It tells you right here how that happens. You trust him with all of your heart. You surrender every way, every part of you to him, and he will do the rest. He will lead you. He will guide you. And will go beyond what makes sense. It will go beyond your understanding. But this is the wonderful journey of trust and relationship with God that he invites us into. What if in the Sabbath, God has given us a timeless principle of divine wisdom to help us be healthy spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally. What if God has given us something, but it actually requires us to trust him? You see, the posture of trust with the Sabbath is this. 
I believe God and I trust God that in walking with you for six days of work, we can do more together than if I try to do it on my own for seven. That is the principle of trusting God with the Sabbath. Lord, I trust that you and me in partnership and walking together in relationship, there can be more accomplished in my life and through my life in six days than in me trying to do it all in my own strength in seven. It's not much different than the place of trust there is with the tithe, with giving our tithe back to the Lord with our finances. Lord, I believe and I trust your word that if I am faithful to give the tithe to your house, that you and me in partnership walking together with 90% of my income will be way more prosperous, will be way more abundant than me trying to live my life with 100% of my finances on my own. It's the same principle. It's the same place of trust. It's the same step. Now, for some of you, for maybe many of you, the place of tithing, you, you're, you're there. Maybe you're not. It's the same step of faith of trust. But I, I often believe that many are there on maybe finances. But when we get into, like, weekly schedules and we get into the stewardship of time and our bodies and our lives, for some reason we just kind of, like, want to negotiate that one. Again, the, the principle and the idea is the same. John 15, verse 4, Jesus said this, Remain in me, or abide in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How often do we try to do things in our own efforts, in our own strength, in our own strategies and ideas, thinking that we can do it best or know best, and we're doing things apart from the source of life, the vine, Jesus? What if one of the ways to be fruitful and healthy in your life, in all areas of your life, is by taking one day to rest And in that, there will be more fruit that comes through your life than you trying to do it on your own. What if? Now, you might be like, all right, never mind. I'm going to keep going. I really recommend this before I keep going too far. There's a book by Pastor Robert Morris out of Gateway Church called Take the Day Off. It's a book completely written about the Sabbath. This is a subject matter that is a series or a book, not one message. So I'm trying to pack as much in as I can. So I would recommend finding that resource and and looking into it. So often, we feel overwhelmed. So often, we don't practice uh, weekly rest. And maybe that's why we're overwhelmed. Because in a sense, we don't trust God and we want to do it in our own strength. In, the, in all four Gospels, besides the miracle of the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is one story, and that is the feeding of the multitudes. Feeding, they, they say of the 5,000, but that was just counting the men. There was probably like fifteen to 20,000 people of, uh, counting women and children. Jesus fed a multitude with five loaves and two fish. And in that story, it, it says that before he, he gave thanks for what he had, 
instead of worrying about what he didn't have, before he broke the bread and gave it out and it multiplied, he told the disciples to go through the crowd and tell the people to sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. To sit down in 50s and 100s. What is the, the principle here? What is the thought here? There must be God, God's divine order in place to receive multiplication. There must be God's divine order in place to receive multiplication. What if the Sabbath is a part of God's divine order? He wants to bring multiplication, but you won't sit down and rest. The people were in a seated posture. What if one of the best ways to receive from the Lord is seated and in rest? Just a thought that I'd throw out there for you. Some of you are like, well, okay, the Sabbath's in the Old Testament. It's a part of the law. We're in the New Covenant. We're in the New Testament. We're under grace. We're not under the law anymore. Why are you talking about this? What is the point? All right, I, I hear you, and I'm coming to you. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, says this. This is a part of the Ten Commandments where God, that God gave Moses on the mountain that he was to give the people of Israel for them to live. To live, to live out. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day, which means, it shows me that it's easy to forget. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your, any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want to say very clearly so that there's no confusion by any means. We are saved from our sins, from death, hell, and the grave by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We are not saved in following and trying to keep the law in our own efforts and strength. One of the, point, one of the points of the law was to show the people of Israel, to show the people it is impossible to save yourself even by following the law. That the uh, Messiah, a Savior, had to come, to come as a man and as God, die in our place, and to bring redemption for all of mankind. Jesus paid the price in his body for us through his death and his resurrection. He became sin so that we would become righteous, that we would receive the free gift of righteousness and the free gift of grace. We are not saved by following the law. Okay, I want to make that very clear. So when I'm talking about the Sabbath, I am not talking about following the law and becoming legalistic. I am giving to you a principle that God has given his people that I believe is still ringing true for all of us today. Okay? So let's look at the Ten Commandments for a moment. All right? How many of you think it would be a good idea to follow the Ten Commandments, especially, let's say, the first couple ones, like, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You shall not make a graven idol image that you worship. Good ones, right? Probably good to still follow and practice in the new covenant following Jesus. How about these ones? Do not murder. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Good ones too, right? We would all say, yeah, I'm good with those ones. How about if you're a parent, the one that says, children, obey your parents, honor your father and mother. 
We're all like, I remember that one. I use that one weekly. Praise God. How come we forget the Sabbath one? How come we go, oh, there's only really nine? Maybe we should, that one's up for negotiation. That, that one maybe, you know. We don't really negotiate about the other ones. I mean, maybe you do, you, you shouldn't. So the Ten Commandments, they still reflect God's values, His character, and His wisdom for our living. They are no longer laws to be kept, but they are still very much wisdom principles to be heeded with our lives. Wisdom is still wisdom, period. Even if law-keeping is no longer the pathway to a relationship with God, there is still wisdom in the Ten Commandments. And God himself modeled this principle from the beginning of creation long before the law of Moses ever came. Same with the tithe. The tithe and the Sabbath actually were practiced by the people of God long before the law of Moses. People like to talk about Abraham and the tithe. Well, Jacob, who became Israel, he even had an encounter with God where he says, God, if you bless me, I will give you a tenth of everything you give me. Way before the law, this was taking place. You know what actually is like heartbreaking when I was researching and reading about this? How many non-believers, how many people who will not, would not confess Christ, would not profess to be Christians who don't go to church, how many of them, for their businesses, for their employees, for their own lives, practice the Sabbath? How many creative artists, creative people, uh, how many business owners actually schedule in every seven years to take a year off? Which, by the way, is also in the Bible. It is called the Shemitah. I have to say that very carefully. If you get that one, one letter wrong, it's really bad, especially in church. And they will take a year off and they will say it's the best thing they've ever done for their lives and for their businesses. They will take weeks off during the year to go and be refreshed and to get fresh perspective and new creativity and fresh ideas and, 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 and just be refreshed so when they go back into what they do, they're fresh and they're able to give their best. How, how many non-believers practice resting at least one day a week? It's insane. There's so many also that practice the tithe. They don't even give to, they don't give to a church. But like financially sound people who actually, who, who are very wealthy, they will say, one of the best decisions I ever made for my finances was to give 10% of my income to charity. And the church resists these things. They have all these excuses. They come up with all this, even Bible stuff to try to combat it. And the people of the world receive it and practice it. It's mind-blowing. Anyway, keep going here. I got a lot to say. We should ask ourselves this question when it comes to like the Ten Commandments or different wisdom from the Old Testament. With the Ten Commandments in my new covenant reality, we should ask ourselves these two questions. Are there benefits to incorporating this commandment into my life? We could probably say yes to all of them. 
And then the second question, are there negative consequences in life if I do not practice this in my life? Is there negative consequences to murder? Yes. Is there negative consequences to stealing? Yes. Is there negative consequences to not practicing the Sabbath? Yes. Here's another great passage of scripture for you. Isaiah 56. This is in the, in the Old Testament, but it is a prophecy of what was to come through Jesus, the Messiah. Okay, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. What is he talking about here? Jesus. Who is salvation and who is righteousness? Jesus. It's coming. If it was already there through the law, he would not be saying this. Verse 2, blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Now, we would read this and go, oh, yeah, that, that one, let's keep our hands from doing any evil. Children, keep your hands from doing any evil. But then it's like this, this, other, this first one, don't desecrate the Sabbath. Like, uh, I don't know if God's really serious about that one. Here we keep, let's keep going. Verse 6 of chapter 56. And foreigners. Okay, so who's the foreigners? That's us. Unless you were born Jewish, unless you were born as an Israelite, you're a Gentile, we're the foreigners in the scripture. Okay? So this is who he is speaking to. Those who would come to receive the message of Jesus, his salvation. This is what he's saying here for us. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. That's just amazing. Like, is this renouncing of the world, this renouncing of our past, this renouncing of all of that, saying, no, I am bound to the Lord for my life, for the rest of my life. Those who bind themselves to the Lord to what? To minister to him. So beautiful. I love this. To love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant These ones who do this, I will bring to my holy mountain. I will give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. What is the New Testament version of our offerings and sacrifices? It's you. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. It's you. (laughs) You're the sacrifice. That God accepts. And he says, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, there's this New Testament scripture. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Israelites. Now, I've heard a lot of people take this passage and say that our rest is in eternity. You're right about that. But what if there's a a rest for us to live in as well here on earth? I would say, first of all, that Jesus is rest himself. And what if in Jesus and following and walking with him, he invites us into a life where we can rest with him weekly? The people of Israel will not, were not allowed to go into the promised land. Why? Because of their lack of trust and their lack of belief. 
Years later, the people of Israel were brought out of their land that God gave them and taken into captivity, into Babylon. And why they were not following the Lord, they were worshiping idols, they weren't following the law. How long were they gone for? They were gone for the amount of time, the amount of years that they had not been practicing the Sabbath. For the amount of years that they were not allowing the land to rest for one year. Do you think that God cares about this? I, I think he cares about this. So often, we look for solutions for our lives outside of God. So often, we look for solutions in the world. We look to others to fix our problems. We look to all kinds of other resources and other places, hoping that that will fix us. Instead of actually maybe like remembering, considering, and living out the very basic core fundamentals that God has given us to live out, like... Are you having daily personal encounters with God? Do you spend time with God every single day? Or do you think that at least one or two days a week you don't need him and so it's not a big deal? Like every single day you should wake up and go, God, I really need you today. I am nothing without you and I am dependent upon you. Come, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Let me be led by you. Let me hear your voice. God, I want to hear you. I want to be with you. I want to worship you. I want to be in your word. Like every single day, there should be something that stirs in you. And I would say that if that is not consistently happening in your week and in your life, start there. That might begin to fix the problems that you're frustrated with. And then, so often we, we could say even that's going well or, you know, maybe it's somewhat consistent but not all the time. But we are, can still struggle with things and it, the questions would next come. Do you tithe? Do you believe God's word that if you are consistent and faithful to give what is his, that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake? That, he, that, that shuts off a door for, from the enemy to attack your life and your family and your finances? Do, do you believe God's word about the Sabbath? Do you trust him? Do you practice the Sabbath? Like, again, so often we are looking to people, to pastors, to friends, to counselors, to all these other things, and we simply ignore three really basic fundamental things that perhaps God gave us to really eliminate most of the problems in our lives. I want you to know, church, that we love you. We are here for you. We care about you. We, we, if you're struggling with things, we want to pray with you. We want to meet with you. We, we care desperately for you. We are here for you. But more than likely, when we get together and we meet, we're going to start with those three questions. How are you doing with those three things? Let's start there. Just to forewarn you. I want to give you four reasons to rest. Really quick, praise God for time. Four reasons to rest. Number one, a Sabbath gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. It's the very same principle of the tithe, where you're partnering with God, how so much more can get accomplished than trying to do it all in your own time and your own strength. Number two, the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to rest and be refreshed. You have four different tanks, so to speak, in your life. 
You have a spiritual tank, you have a physical tank, you have an emotional tank, and you have a mental tank. The Sabbath is meant to give you one day where those tanks can be refilled. Okay? Number three, there are consequences when we don't rest. There are consequences when we don't rest. Number four, why should we rest? To be a light to the world of a healthy life. I just want to let you know that more than likely, if your life is stressed out, overwhelmed, full of fear and anxiety and worry, your coworkers aren't probably looking at you and going, I want what they have. Because I already feel that. That what if one of the biggest lights you can shine in the world today is a life of peace, a life of joy, a life without fear, a life that's in rest, where there's health in your life, in your body, in your mind, there's health in your family, simply because you've chosen to honor the Lord and his word and rest a day a week. That might shine brighter than anything that you want to try to say. They might just look at you after a few weeks and go, how are you like handling life right now? Because I'm a mess. And you seem so relaxed and so full of peace. All right, let's talk about a lot of practical things because I just shared a lot of truth with you. And a lot of you are like, how does this compute into my life? You don't know my context, Pastor Jonathan. You don't know I got three or four kids. I have property. I have all these chores and projects. And I have basketball games. And I have all this stuff. How do I practice this? You have no idea what's going on in my life. You're right. I I might not know everything that's going on in your life, but the Lord does. So, first of all, I will give you a scripture. It won't be on your screen but this is for you in the new covenant and not again trying to follow a law, but following a principle of wisdom that God gives us as an amazing tool to help us to be at our best, okay, to be healthy. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So what the, the Sabbath is meant to be something that is a benefit to us and helps us, not something that we serve. Serve the Lord, and he gives us something to follow and and, and to walk out, okay? So what does that look like in our lives practically as we try to practice this? Well, I would start, encourage you to start with asking the Holy Spirit how he wants you to practice the Sabbath. He has a plan for you, okay? And he knows everything going on in your life. So if, if you haven't been doing this or you haven't been doing this consistently, I would really encourage you to ask the Lord to show you his plan and how to carry this out. Because essentially, in doing that, you are saying, I value this, I know I want this, and I need this. Because to be honest, we val- what we value, we make time and space for. So if you value something, you will make time and space for it. Do you value God's word? Do you value your health, your rest? I'm sure we would all say yes to those things then we should probably ask the Lord that question. What do you want? What does this look like for me? Do you, want, do you want to keep being able to give your best to what you do and stay refreshed? 
we would all say yes. So then let's ask the Lord that question. I want to make it very clear that the Sabbath is not, in the New Testament, New Covenant reality, it's not about a certain day of the week. Okay, so a lot of times we talk about this, or a lot of times people won't talk about this because they get all consumed with, is it, is it Saturday? Is it Sunday, right? There's a whole denomination, the Seventh-day Adventists that wholeheartedly believe it's Saturday, and you practice everything on the Saturday. You have Chick-fil-A, praise God, that will, is closed on Sunday because they believe it's Sunday. Okay? It could be either one for you. For me, it's usually Friday or Saturday. So if you text me on a Friday or Saturday and I don't respond to you, I love you, but I'm not responding that day. Okay? All of our staff practice the Sabbath at least once a day or once a week. Definitely not once a day. We do work. Jeffrey, sorry, bro. At least once a week. Usually, for most of them, Friday or Saturday. So if you text one of them, call them, and they don't get back to you, they love you. They're actually honoring the Lord and their boss. Praise God. Amen. So what should you do on the Sabbath day? So actually, let me back up real quick. So again, it's not about a certain day of the week. So that means it requires you to be a very good steward of your time by looking ahead and scheduling a day for your Sabbath that week and then protecting it. So you actually have to look ahead and go, what does my life look like? This day, Monday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, that's going to be the day. And we protect it as a family. All right? Then, what should you do on that day? You should do what you enjoy. You should do what refreshes you without sacrificing family and finances. Okay? Again, everybody's in a different place. For some, golfing refreshes them. For me, I can't because I want to stay a Christian. So, golfing for me would not be a good Sabbath practice. Some of you go golf and you're gone the entire day. I don't know a lot about golf, but I know that it doesn't take eight hours to golf, even 18 holes. So don't sacrifice your family so that you can go golf. Go for three, four hours, be refreshed, but don't be gone the entire day. If fishing relaxes you, it refreshes you, it recharges you, find a way to do it and include your family. Or don't be gone all day. If it's shopping, as long as your finances are in order, you're a good steward, you're not going to go into debt to go shopping and it refreshes you, go shopping. Do what refreshes you. I love to go for a hike. I love to go outside. It's mostly free, praise God. You get to enjoy the beauty of nature. For me, exercise and activity actually recharges me, okay? If you work in an office and in a, behind a desk and in a cubicle a lot, physical activity probably would help you and benefit you. If you are in a physically demanding, laborious job, probably the best thing you could do on your Sabbath is take a nap. There's a good amen over there. <laughs> no, really, and maybe on your Sabbath, all you, you, you do is take a nap for a few hours, Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord with your family. I would highly recommend that you don't be on social media all day. I would highly recommend that you don't watch the news for the entire day. Maybe almost the whole week. 
Think about it. What depresses, discourages, overwhelms people more than anything else right now? What you see in the media. So why would you want to watch that and be a part of that on your Sabbath day? Sounds terrible. If you're going to watch a movie or something like, make sure it's something that will not grieve the Holy Spirit. Something that will not depress you. Don't watch some like heavy, emotionally weighing down movie like the, the big tear jerkers. I mean, unless that somehow really helps you. I can't do that. All right? Watch like, you know, the underdog winning in the battle and wah! Yeah, those kind of things. Anyway, side notes. So what are you, what are you not supposed to do on the Sabbath? Anything related to your job. Anything related to your work, rest, be with the Lord, be with family. Now, now there, people like to bring up the emergency clause within the Sabbath. You know, that even Jesus said, you know, if your donkey falls in a well, do you not pull it out? You know, does, does your ox, if your ox falls in a ditch, don't you not get it out? Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Being on the Sabbath doesn't mean you don't be a Christian, okay? You can pray for people, you can preach the gospel, you can help people. But I'm talking about emergencies related to your work. So I will just say this in a very kind way. If there is consistent and constant emergencies related to your work on your Sabbath day, there is a leadership or management problem. There is not an emergency problem. Okay, Emergencies should actually reflect emergencies, meaning they don't happen all the time. All right? Okay. About a month ago, it was Snowmageddon. Like, almost none of you were here, probably watching online, hopefully, most of you. And I, I shared a message that I felt like God was, when he was speaking to me for our church for the year. It was called On the Verge. And I, and I, and I shared how I really believe that God is taking us into a season of multiplication. He's taking us into a season of great growth and abundance. And I, I truly believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that. And, and, I, and I believe with Belong and different things that we're about to start and what God's going to do this year, it's going to be amazing. God's going to do great things. And at the very same time, as I felt like the Lord was saying that, he showed me that what God wants us to really focus on this year of 2022 is rest and health or health and rest. And so, in that idea is that you can't focus on growth and stay healthy. Healthy things will grow, okay? But if you begin to shift your attention and your focus to growing or on the growth, you can easily become unhealthy. And so, I I felt it from the Lord, we have felt it as a team, that this year we are to focus on having true sustainability True health and rest in our lives so that what God would do and pour out in multiplication and in growth can last for years and years to come. For what God would want to build and do here in our culture and in our lives here would be sustainable for the long term. And so God is, he's doing that in us already and we're excited for things that we're going to begin to to share with you in the weeks to come of what God is doing. One of the things that God has spoken to us to do in this practice of rest and health is for us as leaders to to take the lead and, and to start with us and to do this ourselves. We've been pastoring together as a team for seven and a half wonderful years. God brought us together. Has it always been easy? 
No, but it's been glorious and wonderful because he's been doing so many amazing things. And so we have felt the leading of the Lord for a few months now that for this year, multiple of our senior leadership team, multiple parts of our senior leadership team are going to take a sabbatical through this year. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tasha are going to have a sabbatical for 12 weeks starting in the month of March, March through May. They're going to go and be recharged, be refreshed, get fresh perspective, hear from the Lord, fresh direction, fresh vision for their lives, be with their families, and, and just enjoy that time with each other and with the Lord. Myself, my wife, Pastor Melissa, and our family, we're going to practice the sabbatical for, the, for eight weeks in the summertime in the months of July and August. Pastors Casey and Ashley, we are working on trying to schedule when that can work for them, either this year or next year. But we feel like this is from the Lord for us to do. And so I would ask you, church, to, to rally around us in this time, to, to, to support, to pray. Uh, I, I really would encourage you guys over the next three weeks especially to get all your hugs and loves on Pastor Aaron and Tasha uh, before they go on their sabbatical, to be praying for them before they go, to be praying for them as they're there, and to really believe that God's going to do something in an amazing and transformative way in us as a team, as, as your pastors and leaders, that will help build strength, life, and rest into us for the years to come. And we believe that even the Lord might lead us into something where this is on a regular basis. But we know for sure at this point it's supposed to happen this year. And so we would just ask you, church, to, to, to pray into that with us, to, to rally with us, to support us in that. We're so grateful. We're so thankful that we have an amazing team here, not just of our senior leadership team, but the ones that the Lord has brought us, that we've brought on staff and the pastors that we have, and that we feel 100% secure, confident, and full of trust and belief that nothing will be lost during those times, that God's going to grow us amazingly and supernaturally, that they're going to thrive and the gifts and graces that God has on their life, and we're excited to see those opportunities given to them. Amen. Amen. I wanted to share all of that with you in the context of the Sabbath rest, and that it is a weekly thing, but at times also the Lord can lead to do it for an extended period. We're not going to be gone for a whole year in the Shemitah, okay? But we're, we believe the Lord is asking us to do this. This don't some people in church life and church history look at sabbaticals very negatively, have a very negative connotation. Don't do that. <laughs> this is not negative. This is for health. This is to obey the Lord and walk in rest. All right? We have to trust the Lord too. God, this is your church. Have your way. All right? Will you stand with me? I want to share one last passage of scripture with you. One of my favorites. I hope that you got a lot of good truth from the word of God today and that you would take the time today, this week, and really ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what does this look like for me? How do I do this? How does my family do this? If this is not something that you consistently practice now, I would really encourage you to do that. But I also recognize that potentially today there are people in this room that are overwhelmed. There's people in this room that are burdened with life. The beginning to experiencing the rest of the Lord 
starts with a relationship with Jesus. There is no rest outside of him. No amount of money, no status of life, no job position, no career, no relationship outside of relationship with Jesus, your wife, your husband, your, your kids. No, no, nothing and no one can give you the rest that you truly need in your soul, in your body, in your mind, except the Lord. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 28. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is probably my favorite or one of my favorite invitations from the Lord in the entire Bible. And perhaps today you are tired and carrying the weight of the world. Perhaps your mind is scattered and racing out of control. Do negative thoughts seem to dominate you? Do you feel like you constantly must do something to win the approval of people and God? My friends, I I just implore you today that Jesus is calling out to you to simply come to him. To simply come to him. He only asks you to come to him and he will give you rest. He will give you himself. He will give you himself. He alone is the rest you need. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him where you know him personally, maybe you've been in church a long time, maybe you know the Bible, the Pharisees who knew the Bible better than anyone else, Jesus said to them, you study the scriptures thinking that in them you will find life, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You can know the Bible and refuse to come to Jesus, the person of salvation, the person of righteousness, the person of life, the person of rest. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, whatever brought you here, it's not a coincidence. God brought you here and he wants you to know him. He wants a relationship with you. And we would just love to pray with you to take that first step to begin that journey. If you're here today and that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand? We just want to pray with you. Anybody, raise it high enough for me to see. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's do this, church. Just put your hands out. And just say this. Holy Spirit, show me how I should practice the Sabbath. Lord, I receive your rest. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single person here in this room. 
I break off every lie of the enemy, every spirit of religion, and every fear of legalism. I break off every demonic lie of of overworking and busyness and hurry. I, I break off every stronghold of anxiety and fear and depression. Lord, I ask God that you would come and touch your people right now. Breathe your life into them. Breathe your rest into them. Breathe your peace into them. Breathe your joy into them. Lord, God, let your light shine through your people, Lord. God, that we would be a people not led by our own understanding, but be a people that trust you and your word and that you lead us and guide us. Lord, we honor you today in your word. We give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.